Hello and welcome to the Dialogue Central podcast. I'm Elisa and I'm with Maha, Karma and Arya. Today we will be talking about space exploration and to be more specific the latest Mars mission by NASA which would be the Perseverance rover mission. So what is Perseverance in the first place? Well, according to the Collins Dictionary, it's the quality of continuing with something even though it's difficult. And I would say we've all been persevering this year. What do you think? I would definitely agree, especially because of online learning and blended learning. Perseverance is one of the main traits every student has to have. I agree. And not only is it a trait that we have to have, it's definitely a trait that we've grown in, especially through the struggles of this year. So, let's move on to the important part of this, space. So, why are we all interested in space? For me, I love the idea of a world outside our own world that's so vast and you can just explore it and find all these new worlds. And not not everything is normal and, I would say, Earth-like in space. Everything's different and there's a lot yet to discover. Yeah. And the thing is, humans are expansionist species. So what that means is that they're always trying to conquer. They're always trying to explore further. And now that we know, we have a map of our world, we've mapped out everything there is here. So the next logical step is to go above and beyond to, to outer space. To infinity and beyond. <laughs> to infinity and beyond, exactly. I agree. Space explorations are followed about key concepts of human behavior where once you think you've exhausted something, you move on to the next thing. But for me, I'm really interested in space exploration because it's the idea of not only, like I said, going into the vast and beyond, infinity and beyond, but also because there's a chance that we can find something out there that might not even be physical, but might be a new concept developed in space that we can use here to help our time on Earth. Yeah, I completely agree with Karma because space is so vast that there's so many opportunities and things we could never know about unless we explore it. And unlike the Earth where it's a finite resource, however big it is, space arguably is never-ending. So if we keep exploring, we'll never stop exploring. And I think that's the most interesting part about it. Also, just another add-on, With space, you can actually learn about things that happened on Earth in the past. So I think we'll go on to more about that later with the Perseverance rover. But we're learning a lot about the early formations of Earth by looking at our neighbours and also possibly even the future of Earth. Though I hope it's not a dark desert like most other planets. So we'll start with the Perseverance rover. The Perseverance rover is one of only five rovers to land successfully on Mars's surface and it went from Cape Canaveral all the way to the Jezero crater on Mars very recently. So let's talk more about it and what it's doing for humanity. Um, An important quote would probably be from the acting NASA administrator Steve Jerzyk, if I pronounce that correctly. Um, This landing is one of the most pivotal moments for NASA, the United States and space exploration globally. When we know we're on the cusp of discovery and sharpening our pencils, so to speak, to to rewrite the textbooks. So, on that note, let's discuss. 
Um, I think the Mars rover is revolutionary, and it's not that it was the fifth one to go to Mars, but the fact that it also had an Ingenuity helicopter built into it, which we'll talk about later. Um, I also thought it was quite ingenious to build AI and LiDAR, which was quite new on Earth, and put it on a space rover. Um, and I feel like it was able to travel a vast distance on Mars, despite it going quite slow um, per minute. I agree, and not only does what I found very curious about the Perseverance rover is how it sort of seems to persevere through humanity, if that makes sense, in a sense of how it's you know being launched in our presence and to so in the theme of presence past and future there's for presence being launched in present and then for past it is it was one of its core details is to search for signs of microbacterial life on mars which would also indicate that there was some life on mars which is one of our main uh goals in space exploration at the moment and also in the also i think it's a very great humanitarian point for example i remember actually watching a lot of with my family which i think that it's sort of a very good moment because you feel it was a huge live stream i remember and it was a bit like a lifting point in such a because in such a dark year yes even if we remember all of this was going on during covid when there was so much uncertainty everywhere and this was kind of a pivotal moment despite everything that's going on we're still managing to lift off the planet also i think nasa's using this to raise more awareness about space exploration in general i think they did the whole send your name to mars campaign where they just contacted lots and lots of people around the world and they said just send your name in and then they essentially laser printed all the names of about i think a million or so people actually i think it was 19 million was it 19 yeah it was quite a lot um so millions of people onto this tiny weeny chip and then they attached it to the rover and sent it up into space i got it for my birthday that's amazing i think the idea of nasa doing that just shows the sense of community that they're trying to engross within everyone on earth and to show that this isn't just some um segregated company which is only doing this um for their own benefit but they're doing it for everyone and therefore they're putting everyone's name on mars showing that this is a potential for the whole human race but but speaking of their own benefit they're actually learning a lot from Mars using new uh, deep mineral detectors <laughs> which detect seismic waves in order to determine the depth of Mars because Perseverance, its main focus is the ground. Its main focus is what's in the ground. Is there water in the ground? Is there microbacterial life? And they are learning a lot, especially now that it's reached in the Jezero crater where they found water. I think... Um... Adding on to Aaron's point about all this new technology, there's this new piece of technology that's been placed into the Perseverance rover called, I believe, the PIXL or the Planetary Instrument for, um, I think it's X-ray lithochemistry. And essentially what it does is it scans all the rock faces to see, to detect different textures and chemical reactions going on on all the rocks and they're trying to see if it matches up with the uh, rocks that can be found 
in the rock formations that can be found on Earth right now, which supposedly were formed millions of years ago. I believe they're called stromatolites. And they use those to compare Mars to Earth. And it wouldn't be possible before because of how fine that X-ray beam is now and how it can just trace every single part, micron by micron. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah that's very interesting. And also what I find that NASA is doing quite well is how, like what Maha said, is they're creating a community and they're making themselves not look like a segregated company through, for example, like you said, Elisa, for your birthday, you got your name engraved on the rover, which I think is quite fun. And also, for example, they're uh, through the Perseverance rover time on Mars, they're also still interacting with the media and helping people like us to feel included. For example, on their website, there are public images of these very interesting looking 3D photos from Mars that I think are updated every couple hours. And there's videos about it, and there's even a VR experience of Mars, which I think they're doing a very good job of just sort of keeping us intact and not making it seem like one big publicity stunt and then they're done. So I think that, um, except remember with the space race, what they do was they would sort of have one big launch and then everything would be kept in shadows because they don't want to, you know, show any secrets. But now it's less about a race and it's more about just exploration and con- and connecting with the community, which I think NASA is doing a very good job of. Yeah, I completely agree. And also to link to Orion's point about the Jazeera crater, um, Mars is basically... Um, a much older Earth, and the Jezero crater, billions of years ago, I believe, um, used to be a massive lake, and it wasn't, um, it didn't have the same compounds of water on Earth, but it was very, very similar. So like Elita said in the beginning, it can predict the future of Earth, and perhaps even some solutions to stop the precipitous aging of Earth. Uh, also, have you all heard about the new machine, Moxie, that they... Actually, it was developed quite a bit of time ago, because I remember I was doing a project a few years ago, and I remember hearing men, uh, hearing some, some site mentioning, oh, this new machine called Moxie, but I never really paid that much attention to it. But now they've actually sent that up, and apparently they're actually creating oxygen now on the from the atmosphere of mm. Mars. I agree, and also since one of its main resources is actually creating oxygen from carbon dioxide, a bit like a plant, and how they found a way to even automate that, and they're testing it in space, which I think is arguably a very complex uh, atmosphere. I think that if we, it's another example of how we're using space exploration to help issues at Earth, for example, air pollution. I think that in the future, a common goal would be to actually use this amazing MOX machine to actually uh, reduce the amount of CO2 emissions that would cause air pollution in Earth, which I think is quite amazing. And also, I think they're doing a flight with the Ingenuity helicopter, if anyone would like to elaborate on that. Yeah, so the helicopter is um, literally built onto the Perseverance rover, and its sole purpose was to check if aircrafts could fly near the thin atmosphere of Mars and it's possible and that's so significant because that means more aircrafts can actually fly around the atmosphere of Mars and therefore if we were ever to create a Mars base we'd be able to travel to different places just the way we're able to on Earth through ships, um, planes and so on which is amazing in my opinion. I agree because I think that 
since you know the uh, space industry is a multi-billion even trillion dollar business i think that although um ingenuity was 85 million dollars i do think that it's taking quite some amazing uh concepts and even photos on mars and turn them into a great information source for life on mars and the thing about maha's point where it allows us to travel on mars as we would on earth that is one of the main one of the main draws of space exploration is to find another planet to live because although we can explore other planets with spacesuits momentarily as astronauts do the moon if we find another place to live that could be pivotal for humanity since you know, this is our planet and that could turn into these are our planets which is a step that humanity has never taken before this will be the first time yes i think a major goal would be to colonize another planet and right now it looks like mars is the best candidate i think even other space agencies particularly those privately owned are trying lots of ways to try to send machines up into mars's orbit or even trying to think of ways to actually sustain a human colony. I think they're going to try to grow food using hydroponics. Yeah, and I think it's really important to colonize Mars because although we've tried so hard to reach the moon and we've actually, um, many astronauts have actually reached the moon, it lacks an atmosphere. So there's very little hope of creating a sustainable life um, base on the moon because that means we'd always have to wear spacesuits and if we don't well there's so little pressure we'll all just explode so I think it's really important to colonize another planet instead of just a moon I agree because uh, for example Mars has met for example colonizing Mars has many benefits for example it can simply be a I guess a very large doomsday bunker if we cannot seem to uh, reduce our CO2 emissions but it can be a bit like a restart for humanity and although there are many issues for example there's a lack of uh, suitable atmosphere for humans so these tests such as moxie turning carbon dioxide into oxygen all of these can actually create a suitable habitat and that we can use all our issues on earth uh, climate change uh, air pollution you know deforestation as a giant we know that it's a giant mistake and that we can use that to move forward and actually take care of this planet. So I think the technology we're uh, evolving and adding and testing now is quite revolutionary. And that brings us back to perseverance, slowly not giving up, adding technology, adding, tackling every problem one at a time. Transportation, well, let's see if we can fly. No oxygen, well, let's try to do our own carbon dioxide into oxygen no atmosphere well how about we do it on mars instead of the moon this whole ideology of perseverance is what makes the entire idea of colonizing mars possible and i think it's just a main trait of the human race if you if at first you fail just try 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 again and then eventually maybe one day we can go and grab a plane ticket or well a spacecraft ticket to mars i agree and i do think that one thing that nasa is also good, very good at, as I said, connecting with your community. But they also have a very brand, they have a very strong brand of hope and curiosity, which is actually why I think that 
their uh, naming ideas are very interesting. So I have been going to space camp quite regularly about uh, in the US and I've always, it was at NASA and I've always found it so interesting because they found a way to teach us about the key concepts of space exploration at NASA in a very engaging way. For example, one they would one they would one way that they would uh, do it is how they would uh, sort us into our age groups, and each age group would have a different uh, name named after a Mars rover. For example, there would be curiosity, perseverance, and even this is for the younger ones. Uh, there's opportunity, and also uh, it's a bit funny. I think it's called Squirmer. It was sort of a test rover, but it's for like the it, it was for the really young children. You just find that some such a simple way because. You know, our children would be, oh, you know, I'm an opportunity, I'm the best one. Uh, so it's sort of interesting because they found such a good way to connect with, you know, the new generation actually teach them in an engaging way about something so complicated as space exploration. Yeah, I completely agree with you. The fact that they named their rovers after such inspiring um, traits of a human um, just suggests how ambitious yet plausible this idea of getting a Mars base. Mm. And the fact that, as Elisa said, um, they're even able to grow food in space through hydroponics. And on the NASA website, it says that hydroponics um, involves delivering water and nutrients to plant roots uh, using liquid solutions. And this allows astronauts to eat and grow um, on the space station, and even, perhaps in later years, on the moon and Mars. And since that's one of the vital parts of staying alive, we've already had oxygen, food, and the only... I don't know what else is left besides everyone travelling there. I suppose there'll be the whole concept of where everyone's going to live, but I think they're already trying to figure out ways of doing that. I think they have these, essentially, these giant domes with these special lightweight... They're developing these new materials that are really strong, yet really lightweight, so that you can essentially carry these bases to Mars and then just put them together using these pre-made blocks. And then you've got this sort of airtight dome where you can essentially live and then not be uh, exposed to all the hazards of the actual atmosphere. And so you can create a base there. Build your own Mars base. Build, build <laughs> yeah. a bear, except it's for build a Mars habitat. Yeah. <laughs> Mars Lego. Yeah. I agree. And also the interesting thing is how we're talking about this and these things are actually being uh, produced. For example, I think that while I was in the US, there's actually, uh, they're talking about how um, I think SpaceX is actually finding a way to, it's very expensive. It's only for like millionaires and billionaires at the moment. But there's actually a way to travel to Mars commercially and a sort of, a bit like a um, private jet sort of scenario, but you know you're going to Mars. I feel like the way that we're talking about this, and it seems almost like a dystopian world, but the fact that this is actually happening and happening, and we've reached such amazing potential in like humanity is quite amazing. That's, and that's why the whole I. That's why NASA has stopped being a space race, as you said before. And now, it's about the community because now it's plausible before going to space in itself was something very hard to do and going to the moon was an amazing feat but not everybody can be on the moon but now that now that we have more understanding about our planet and what's going to happen in the future we know that space exploration is not about just explore it's not about just 
exploration. It's about it's about the community. It's about finding a new place, and it's a, about it's something to be shared by everyone and for everyone. I agree. It's all about lots of different countries setting aside differences, coming together, sharing research with each other, and just essentially trying to create a new world up on another planet. Until we find Please. aliens and have a war with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I completely agree because during the 1960s, of course, um, with the space race um, against Russia and the US, of course, there was a lot of tension because of the Cold War and everything. And because of that, they probably could have got into the moon a lot faster if they had worked together. But because of this tension, it took a bit more time, arguably. But now, since everyone is working together and NASA is building a community, as Karma said, I feel like they can achieve a lot more in a much smaller time, as shown through the Perseverance rover and the Ingen- Ingenuity helicopter. I agree. However, I do think that uh, I think that nations coming together is a great, you know, uh, solution, and that it's going to ultimately lead to us achieving these goals and extra uh, terrorism. And sorry, in space a lot quicker. <laughs> but I do think that I think when we sort of reach a new era of I guess capitalism and socialism, that I think that one of the main issue uh problems that we may face was how um I is how uh, there are some actually individuals that may want to um sort of own the uh, own these territories because I actually I have the, <laughs> I found an article and I read it a while ago, but there was a um there was a event where basically. Uh, Elon Musk wanted to not only reach Mars, but he wanted to then buy it and then retire in it. So it's actually funny, isn't it? It's quite funny. This was in 2015, I think. So now there is a UN Outer Space Treaty from 1967, but they had to re-update uh, it due to a number of individuals such as Elon Musk. It basically states that no government or individuals can own extraterrestrial property. So I feel like the way that this is already happening and there's a bit of a space fight, I guess, now over this property is a bit of a a red light that we need to sort of uh, work out. But I think that at the moment, since there's no major um, tension between major space powers, I think that we're definitely heading in the right direction. Yeah, humans are expansionist, but they're also greedy. And both, both of them are often products of one another. We want to explore space, but we want to explore space in order to own space. So that whole idea will require changing, and that's why the treaty is such a good idea. Yeah. And it was so long ago, and I think that's that's a good sign, because if it, things that are made long ago tend to be more accepted nowadays. Yeah, Yeah. it's almost as though they worked together on the journey, but when they get to the destination, it's every man for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially with the whole money incentives of the... I think it's something like one asteroid contains all the um, mineral deposits and precious metals right. <laughs> more than have ever been mined in the whole history of Earth. And so they're thinking, excellent, ways to make tr- trillions more than the whole world's right. GDP. But then... <laughs> In the end, we need to remember that we're not there yet, so we have to work together to get there, and preferably help each other and not knock each other to bits before we actually sustain, make a sustainable. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. 
Um, I think the next point would be just space travel in general. Moving on from just this Perseverance rover and traveling to Mars, what about all the planets and perhaps even the Milky Way? What's next? Well, I've heard at least that originally, of course, you had the Hubble telescope, <laughs> which went all around, well, which essentially beamed to different areas and you could see different parts of the universe. But now I think they're developing a new one called the James Webb Space oh, wow. Telescope. But I think they're using, um, it's another form of radiation which essentially um, shows you more detailed aspects of um, star clusters which you couldn't see before using the Hubble Space Telescope. So I think that's a really interesting concept that they're developing. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that because um, I remember reading up about the Hubble Telescope and a few other detectors which uh, detected cosmic background radiation and that was one of the main things that proved uh, the Big Bang Theory, which is what most scientists believe, um, besides the steady-state theory, which is mostly neglected. Um, and I just think that's quite interesting, because, again, that links back to the never-ending part of the universe, because it's, it's peculiar. We realize that a star or a supergiant... Um, red supergiant has exploded perhaps a billion years later because the light has traveled to us so much later that it's basically history yeah and yeah and and speaking of light that's one of the main barriers for us <laughs> as an expansionist species with our physics we can't travel faster than light and that has many implications so that means that it'll take years even to travel from one galaxy one little so star group to another right. and that's that's definitely a big barrier and also more drastically it means that the universe speed the universe is getting is expanding but mm -hmm. it's expanding faster and faster mm -hmm. and because of that we and everything is being pulled further and further apart. And because of that, we're actually confined to our own group of galaxies and we'll never be able to reach any other group. So our own group is a tiny amount of the universe, but it's still bigger than we can all imagine. Yes, adding on from your point, Arian, according to, obviously, Einstein's special theory of relativity, yes. you can't you essentially can't move faster than the speed of light but at the same time i believe there's a mission that wants to go i think at, i think it's 10 percent of the speed of light which is really wow. fast essentially what they want to do is they're sending these tiny weeny chips spacecraft and they're essentially going to control them using these um bases on earth and they'll use the, use that energy to essentially slingshot them into space at such a fast rate that they aim to... So the closest star cluster is essentially the Alpha Centauri yeah. and all of that. They essentially try to... So that's travelling a long way, a few light years. And I think they want to achieve that in about, I think it's 20 to 40 years. 
Yeah, and um, I'm glad that you said that because the nearest star to our galaxy or our sun is the Proxima Centauri, which, don't quote me on this, is around 4.15 light years away? I believe so. Something like that. And if we've already achieved um, 10%, like you said, of the light speed, then although it's a very long time, it's still plausible. Maybe not for humans, but we're getting there. We're progressing. And like you said, with the slingshot idea, I believe that there was already a Voyager, um, which was slingshotted out of our solar system. And it used the idea of gravities from different planets um, to propel itself forward. And although we'll never get it back because it's basically out of our gravity, um, it's so a fascinating idea that it's lost in the never-ending pit of space, which is still a confined area of our local galaxies. And speaking of Voyager, it has a lot of human history in it and a lot of to explain about us. But it also has a music album. Don't quote me on this, but I think it's the guy who made Stand By Me. Oh, Benny Benny King. King. Yeah, Benny King. I think there's a Benny King music album on Voyager. (laughs) I think that'd be quite cool because if an alien ever reaches it, They'll love our music. Okay, yeah. Actually, that's a very interesting point because I remember there was an article that I read quite a while ago on how I think that in a um, past uh, or a space rover that they sent, they actually, I think it, actually, I think it was on a mission to the ISS, mm-hmm. International Space Station, that they actually had a, this very intricate, I think it was a copper disc, and with those they actually imprinted, a bit like a, a record player, but they imprinted actually photos from Mars, so things such as uh, past technology, so has things like as a sort of digital photo, such as, you know, uh, trees, humans, and I think it has some uh, 1920s fashion. It's quite amazing because mm-hmm. it sort of, they tr- it's also it's interesting because imagine being tasked, the person tasked with that to try and encapsulate all of humanity and only, I think it was 75 images, sort of show <laughs> like aliens what humanity is. Yeah. yeah. Sounds quite dark. I feel like it's very interesting how they, because an, uh, it's very interesting how they thought to actually include that, and in the chance that there's such hope that they might actually find uh, aliens like an extraterrestrial life, <laughs> uh, life that they would actually need to explain, you know, what humanity is, and yeah, right. it's quite interesting. So after doing more re- research, it's uh, it's not a specific music album. It's something called the Golden Record, which has oh. m- music in various different languages. It has some documentaries on it, recorded. Gosh, those aliens yeah. will have the time of their lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Multiple discs. And, yeah, including some older music since this was launched a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think on a bit of a completely different topic regarding the future of space exploration. Uh, one of the main problems in space exploration, I'd say, is its impact on the environment. For example, I think for SpaceX, a single flight, uh, a single launch, would take up about 29,600 gallons of fuel, which is about 112,000 gallon kilograms of fuel. And that's only for a mere flight. That's you know, not the hundreds of tests they've done. So it's actually quite interesting because it's actually, I think it's a goal that NASA and SpaceX have combined. Uh, they've decided that one of their sustainability goals, a bit like the model, a bit like the UN goals, is how they aim to uh, be reaching towards a completely carbon neutral um, space launch by 2028. 
and that was in 2014. So, and uh, I'm not sure if there's been any major updates on that goal, but I do think that uh, it's seven years away, so I do think that there's still some uh, possibility that. Yes, I think it's a case of trying to use fuel that's renewable to actually send them up there rather than using the commonly used fuel they have now. Yeah, it's quite ironic because even the hydrogen-powered cars that Elon Musk has, which are perhaps going to be used in his rockets if they haven't already been used, um, the hydrogen is still created from the crude oil, so it's just as um, environmentally damaging. So I'm not sure if this vicious cycle will ever end, and if space exploration can even fix it, if our normal cars can't even fix that problem. But if we can, by 2028, it will be truly a human feat of genius. But But I suppose there isn't a shortage of genius in the human race. (laughs) I also think that space travel, of course, it's, it's about inhabiting other planets. But there's also that tiny glimmer of hope about things that we are probably never going to find and never going to go into, such as black holes and super giants. What do you think about that? I mean, I remember reading somewhere, this hasn't been tested, I promise, no one's flung someone into a black hole, (laughs) but apparently if you went through a black hole, you would essentially stretch like spaghetti going on forever until a certain particular point where, but though essentially I don't think you'd last that long because it would just take you off into it. Yeah, it is quite theoretical, but I guess that is very true and past the event horizon, it's all unknown, and that's the idea of space exploration. We might never get there, but we're going to try to. That concludes our discussion for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Dialogue Central, recorded at Dubai College with Eliza, Maha, Ariel, and Karma. So, it's safe to say that the future of space exploration will truly be out of this world.